All right, guys, we're live. It's another edition of Talking Preps. The playoffs have started. Is everybody excited for the playoffs? Yeah, absolutely. Definitely. Definitely excited. Well, I know we got one young lady who's especially excited for the playoffs. It's Maya Starr from Canada School. You guys are trying to win two out of three. Uh, tell me about the mission. Uh, there really is no mission. We just want to win. It's a uh, it's just the grit and the dogginess that just we just want to win. So every game, we just look forward to the next game. We don't really look at the championships. We just look at the next game, the next game. And when we get there, we know what we have to do. Does last year, did last year leave a bad taste in your mouth? Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Tell everybody what happened last year. Man, we just, I don't even know what to say, really. It's just like. Something just like our energy wasn't up, so it like it's like a domino effect. One one person's going low, we try to keep their head up and stuff, but if they get, if they're down, the whole team starts going down, and then our energy's low. And North Raleigh Christian kind of got a run on us, but we we kept fighting to get back, but it just wasn't enough. Yeah, yeah. Uh, to those who don't know, Cannon got to the state finals last year. Randall, what do you think about this young lady? What do you got to ask her today? You got to come off mute though, partner. She's a wonderful player. I enjoy watching her play. Uh, she she has a great personality, and and what she said about you know the grit and being a dog like that's what her and her backcourt mate Lily Booker really really show. Um, and and they they have been on a mission all season long. And you know I think that you know there were some question marks early, and they've checked every single box this season. All right. Well, Samaya, so you have made Randall's uh, big list for the final eight uh, candidates for North Carolina Miss Basketball Player of the Year. Do you recognize any of those young ladies? If so, how good are they? Oh, yeah, of course. I recognize a few. Um, you want me to list them? Or now, just tell me, I mean, like, tell me who you know and how good they are. Uh, I mean, all these girls, I've played against all of them. They're really good. Um, Blanca Thomas, my, my little buddy, you know. Giant. <laughs> She's a giant. We <laughs> call her Shaq. I played it. I played against her in the UAA. You know, yeah, um, with FBC and Team Curry yeah, and yeah. poor Sarah Strong. Yeah, I don't, I don't even have words for Sarah. She's just Sarah. Um, um, oh, did, yeah. Did Randall, did Randall miss anybody? Hmm. Not that I know. I mean, this list looks good. Listen, Thank oh, you, Samaya. I appreciate, I appreciate that. There we go. Good. I don't get I don't get a lot of credit around here. So when when somebody, especially of your status, gives me credit, I truly appreciate it. Oh. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, Randall, tell us a little bit about Kristen and Blanca, and then we'll talk to Chelsea for Z Z how you say her name, Chelsea Zamaria. 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 Okay. Go ahead, Randall. First two, then we we'll go to Chelsea. I mean, I mean, the first two. You know, Kirsten Lewis. We've talked about. I feel like every week on this show. She's done a tremendous, tremendous job. She's the engine for Lake Norman, does it on both ends of the floor, has just been a phenomenal leader. Uh, Blanca Thomas, you know, uh, Catholic played their first game this afternoon versus Rocky River in the, in the, in the, in the playoffs. Um, you know, they, they moved on in advance. Uh, she's been terrific, you know, um, you know, averaging, you know, 15 points and 10 rebounds and five blocks um, and really going to have to have a big, close to the season if they're going to, you know, go where they want to go. All right. Chelsea, tell us about Ms. Jones who's getting double teamed every time she steps on the court. <laughs> 
I mean, there's a reason she's double teamed. She can score anywhere. She's an absolutely amazing ball handler. And um, if I'm not mistaken, I think North Pitt is undefeated in the conference, and she Ooh. is absolutely a key piece to that. So I know she's on a lot of coaches' radars. Yeah, she did a 360 layup a couple weeks ago in the game. Yeah, I, was like, I was like, wow, it's like a little Maya Moore out there. And then uh, Sarah Strong, we've talked about, is Samaya mentioned, just a dominant inside player. She's giving everybody in North Carolina the business. And Randall, she has a, a very well-known mom. She she does. Her mom, you know, played at NC State and now works for the Boston Celtics in their front office. Name of? Uh, I, I don't – yeah, I'll let you – I'm leaving, I'm leaving that one alone. One of the best players in, in South Carolina yeah. history. And then uh, Kylie Chavis, Pernell Sweat, we talked a lot about Jasmine Felton. Samaya is obviously on the show. And, and Jada Angel, is that the young lady you showed me that had a gazillion stats? The other yeah, day? yeah. She's down in Cape Fear. Numbers, astronomical numbers, averaging 30 points a game and like eight assists and like eight steals. She's she's really having a phenomenal year down there. Just to say, Samaya, which one of these players do you want to face the least? Man, I'm up for a challenge. I feel you. I feel that's you. what I'm. That's what I'm talking about, man. Coach, right. Coach Brooks is Coach Brooks is getting him something special next year. I'm excited. <laughs> I, I like that. I like that. All right. Well, so my while we got you, we're gonna have a round of run through these brackets in, in your. We're gonna start out with the smaller ones. We're gonna have a round of run through these brackets real quick. Randall, anything in the one A that you see that could be surprising before we kind of get to the quarters later on in the week? No, I think everything you know is in one A. Probably, probably stands. Yeah, everything I think in one day is chalk. All right, nothing down below. You, you like you like Victory Christian the North Side. I like Victory. Yeah, I like I like Victory. I like Victory Christian. I think you know I've seen them a couple times this year. Uh, I think that that you know I'm expecting them to to make it all the way, and uh, you know it should be a, a good game. I'm, I think you know with them in Crossroads. Okay. And then we're going to look at the 2A real quick. There's so many schools in like two pages, but that's the top half of the 2A. Uh, Davidson Day, which has been a powerhouse for a long time, 6-11 and 11 this year. Uh, don't see too many Charlotte area schools like they're going to make a move. Wayne Country Day looks like a heavyweight up there at 20. Yeah, that, I mean, I, I don't I don't see how they don't win it. And uh, nobody, think, else in their, nobody else in their bracket has more than nine wins. Nah, I don't. Wayne Country well, Day. And then the bottom half. The bottom half, I guess, Greenville, Greenville School and St. Thomas More, maybe, but they got to play each other. Yeah, but I mean, I think I think I'm expecting Wayne to take this one in a runaway. Runaway, all right. And uh, am I to the three A yet? Was that, uh, yeah. No, that's still, that's still that's still two. Yeah. A lot yeah. of two A schools. Well, there's the O'Neill school down there. Twenty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I for, I did forget about they, them. They, they may they may make a run. There's a lot of two A schools and private schools. I mean, Hickory Creek. What do you think, though, uh, Chelsea? About it? Oh, there's. Oh, never mind. Never mind. I'm so sorry. Oh, Grace Christian down there. Yeah, Yeah. I'm sorry. I forgot Sarah was. Yeah, I was thinking. I was thinking they were three. Yeah, Chelsea, two and fourteen. Did you make the playoffs? Hmm. Did you make the playoffs at two and fourteen? Hickory Christian's two and fourteen, and they're in the playoffs. I think Chelsea's on mute. Can y'all hear me? Now yeah, I, hear we you now. I what do you think of a two and fourteen team in the playoffs? You think that should happen, or we should just kind of skip to the next round? I say skip to the next round. Yeah. I mean, I think the record speaks for itself. Yeah, I, I, it might be letting too many teams in the playoffs. Three A, three A. We got three and nineteen South Lake Christian also in the playoffs, but three A uh, Concord Academy it looks really strong. Number one seed, yeah. uh, Astro Christian got a double by at eight and thirteen. 
could could maybe we combine Randall some of these lower classifications like like the public schools do and they have like a one A slash two A? We probably should. We probably should. But it's a lot of it's a lot of but it's a lot of teams in two A though. Yeah, but look so, at the records here. But you could yeah, I mean, I, I see it, yeah. nine and nineteen, seven and mm-hmm. eleven, eight, eight yeah. and thirteen got a double buy. Yeah. Uh, that's that's a, I mean four and fifteen. That's a lot here. That you know five and seventeen. There's a lot. I mean it's almost like that every team got an invitation. Yeah. But Samaya, we're going to get down to you guys in the four A. We're going to look at the top half and look at your draw. Uh, going to play the winner of Ravenscroft and Country Day. Have you played those teams? I know you played Country Day. Have you played Ravenscroft this year? I keep getting Ravenscroft and Raven, Raven Gap. Gap you. Yeah, Ravenscroft Raven, Raven is Raleigh. Raven Gap is Georgia. See, see, I don't, I don't even. I keep getting those teams mixed up. We played one of them last year. Okay. But I don't even remember. But I, I think it's Ravenscroft. They have a really, they have a center. She's like a big girl. Okay. Um, that's what I've heard, but nothing else really. How's it feel to have home field, home court rather, until the championship? I mean, it feels good, but I'm ready to play. Ready to play. <laughs> yeah. Any, does anything jump out you at the lower half of your bracket down there? Any of those teams you think could get, you know, could could come out and potentially play you guys maybe in the semi in the quarterfinal or semifinal? Um, I mean, I'm looking at North Raleigh Christian. She wants okay. a little get back. Want a little get back for last year's season. Right. All right, let's like look at the bottom. Look at the bottom half here, Randall. Uh, Latin looks pretty good. They got to go up to Raven Gap uh, round three. <laughs> Uh, looks like Providence Day might have a, a, a road to at least the semifinals. What do you think? Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, I think I the Raven. Go ahead, Samaya. Think... Go ahead, Samaya. Go ahead. What no, you got? You're your guest. Go ahead. I was just saying. Um, do you know anything about Durham Academy? I don't think I've. Um... I don't know anything about it. Alex. Do you know anything about Durham Academy? Yes, uh, just part of that Triangle Independent Schools Athletics Conference with Ravenscroft and North Raleigh Christian, where parity has taken on a new form this year, given the graduation of North Raleigh Christians, Imani Lester and several others. It's a parity field conference. And on paper, on paper, Cannon and Providence Day should be in good shape. I w- I'm going to say Canada Province Day are going to play again. This will be like the 75th time you guys played this year. But that, that's uh, that's my prediction. <laughs> yeah. Well, we Wait, know how the it? first we know how the first two rounds of that matchup went, don't we, Samaya? <laughs> yes, we do. Uh, hey. All right. So, Samaya, before, before we let uh, you hold go, on, hold on, on. let me let me do mine first. Oh, go ahead. Samaya, I really, I really like you. I, you make me laugh. Um, you're a great player, and I just want to go ahead and apologize before we even get started for what's about to happen. <laughs> oh my goodness! Oh, should I be scared? No, no, you're fine. It's a multiple, <laughs> it's a multiple choice thing. You're gonna go oh, first. Y'all put me on the spot. Oh yeah, yeah, we gotta put you on the spot. It's called a game show. I'm contract contractually obligated. I can't talk today. So play Randall's little theme music. And we'll get started on the backside. Not, not the theme. Music. I'm Randall Clark. I am not Sam Griner. You will not beat me in the game show. Chelsea. Aaliyah Boston could repeat as National Player of the Year like her coach, Don Stanley, once did. Among these all-time greats, which one did not repeat as National Player of the Year? 
A, Maya Moore, B, Candace Parker, C, Brianna, Brianna Stewart, or D, Brittany Griner? I don't like that body language, Samaya, but it's on you. Man, oh, gosh, this is bad. This is really bad. Hmm. Anybody want to give me a hint? No, it's no, you got to oh, you you <laughs> answer. Bruh, oh, my gosh. Uh, can I come back? No. Nope. There's no pressure. Nobody's beating no me this pressure. year. You're good. What Nobody's you beating me this year. There's no pressure. Because no one's beating me. So, like, if you, yeah, you have nothing to lose. Which one did not repeat? Yeah. I want to say Brittany Griner. Brittany Griner. All right. Randall, what you got? I got D, Brittany Griner as well. The answer is A, ah! Maya Moore. Maya Moore won in 2009-2011, but in between was Tina Charles. Maya Moore is the greatest uh, um, female basketball player, in my opinion, yeah. of all time. Randall knows this. We've had this discussion. Yes. All right. Uh, hold on. I got it. Oh, this is a good question. My my uh, my son gave me this question. All right, Alex. Go ahead. Nearly 21 years ago, this non-conference showdown drew 29,619 fans, a record for a regular season women's game. Which two teams played in it? A, UConn and Oklahoma. B, Baylor and LSU. C, Tennessee and UConn. D, Duke and Kentucky. Randall, what you got? 21 years ago, I'm going to go with Courtney Paris, A, UConn and Oklahoma. Okay. Maya, what you got? I mean, Maya. So Maya, I'm sorry. I, um, I'm thinking about Maya more. Right. <laughs> I'm stuck on UConn. I, I think it's A or C. Which one? I want to say C. C, UConn. The answer is A. UConn B, Oklahoma, 82-70 in March of that year of uh, 2002 at the Alamo Dome in San Antonio. I thought, I thought for sure Randall's going to say C. I, I know. You always try to trick me, so I knew you was going to think I was going to That's exactly why I went, hey. I thought for sure you would say you got to do this. <laughs> All right, so you're down somebody by one, so you got to make a rally here. You got uh, three right. more questions. Uh, and I'm, I know you're going to get this question right. All right, go ahead, uh, Chelsea. Everybody saw Rihanna perform a, me a medley of hits at the Super Bowl Sunday. What was the name of her first number one single in 2006? A, Pondy <laughs> Replay. B, SOS, C, Umbrella, or D, Only Girl in the World? Samaya, the body language, sweetie. Come on. You thought I was going to get this right? Yes. Oh, it's Riri. I knew we was going to have a Rihanna question after last night. Absolutely. Rihanna's my favorite it girl. We we know. Okay. <laughs> my son converted last night, too. <laughs> <laughs> what you got, Samaya? Um, hmm. I'm gonna go with C again. Umbrella, Brella, Randall, what you got? Pawn the replay. Oh. Pawn the replay is not it. I knew you would guess that. The answer is SOS. Oh. Uh, SOS came out in 2006. Pawn the replay came out in 2005. Got to number two. I knew that oh. without even looking. Oh. <laughs> I knew Randall. that without even looking. That's crazy. Uh, I like Rihanna. Y'all like Beyonce. I like Rihanna. It's my, you know. Uh, let me find the, the next question, and it's on Alex. The Houston Comets won the first four WNBA titles from 1997 to 2000. Only one team has repeated as champion since. 
name it. A, the Seattle Storm. B, the Minnesota Lynx. C, the Phoenix Mercury. D, the Los Angeles Sparks. Randall, what do you got? Wow, this is actually this is actually a tough one. I didn't create this one. All these all these teams have been actually really good. That's correct. And my girl won a lot of chips with them, so I'm going to go with A, the Seattle Storm. All right. What you got, Samaya? Hmm. I want to say A as well. Final answer? Yes. Okay. The answer is D, Los Angeles Sparks. Dang. The lesson led the Sparks to 2001-2002 after Cynthia Cooper four-peated. This is bad. All right. You got one question left to tie him. All right. All right. All right. Now, you should definitely 1,000% get this question right. Let's go, Chelsea. SZA's latest hit, Kill Bill, shares the same (laughs) name of (laughs) of a once famous movie. The video pays homage to the film as well. Name the star of the movie. A, Jennifer Lawrence. (laughs) B, Jamie Foxx. C, Uma Thurman. Or D. Will Smith. Come on, Samaya. No, 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 no. Come on, Samaya. You seen the video. The video should give you a hint. Now, you seen the video. The no. video should give you a hint. The video? What video? You haven't seen the video to Kill Bill? No, I haven't seen the music video. Oh, my goodness. Okay, well, I can't help you. I can't give you a clue and I can't help you. Okay. <laughs> uh, do I have to ask, answer first? Yes. Yes, you got to go first. This is the last question. Last question. All right. You know... Fourth quarter game, two seconds left. You hit the free throw line down by one. Okay, I'm going to say. Dang, I don't want to sound stupid, though. Oh, this is bad. Oh, it's, live TV. it's live TV. C. All right, what you got, Randall? Dang, I was going to see Uma Thurman, too. That's your answer? Yep. That's the right answer. Wow. I'm still losing. <laughs> yeah, you still lost. lost. You still lost. It's okay, though. You lost by one. One question. You lost by one. But look, man, it was fun having you on. You, you've been the best guest all year. So it's fun having you on. Good luck to you guys. You know, hopefully we'll have you guys have you back uh, after you win a state title and have you break down some of these public school games since you can break down these games and players so well. How about that? Yeah. Thank you for having me. All right, Samai. Take care, sir. Good luck the rest of the way, Samai. So do I just leave or? I got you. <laughs> that was a good call, Randall. She hey man, I, this, hey, I, these questions have been getting a lot, a lot more ridiculous than normal. You really want me to lose? Like the I'm fix, trying, the fix right. is definitely is. You, you sound like grinding now. All right, it's time to find. Oh, not not time to find out. Sammy, Sammy <laughs> interviewed uh, Rocky. I'm I'm lost. Sammy interviewed Rocky Northwestern's Mason Mitchell. Mason had a knee injury last year. He's a, the son of Christy Mitchell. Uh, who's been a guest host on the show for many years. Uh, Mason had a knee injury last year. Come right ACL, yeah. yeah, towards ACL, having a big year down in Rock Hill. And Sammy got a chance to talk to him. This is Sammy's best interview ever. So this is going to be – so, Chelsea, I know you're leaving while the interview's watching. Awesome, rolling. But watch – before you leave, watch this because it's really good. All right, here's Sammy. <laughs> Hi, welcome back to another interview on Five Minutes with Sammy. Today we have Mason Mitchell. Mason, can you introduce yourself for us? My name is Mason Mitchell. I'm 17 years old. I'm a junior at Northwestern High School and I play combo guard. 
So Northwestern High has an 11 to 12 overall winning record this season. That's really nice. Can you tell me more about it? For sure. Uh, our season's definitely been up and down for the most part. For me, uh, just coming back from an ACL injury just impacts me physically, but more mentally. It's been kind of uh, hard for me to get into the rhythm that I wanted to be in, but the past couple of weeks, got some really good team wins and everybody's improving. I'm really sorry to hear about your injury, but I'm really glad you're feeling better and back into the game. Is basketball a career choice for you or is it just a high school hobby? Uh, basketball is definitely a career choice for me, having both parents play college basketball. You know, they've been there for me. And just one step at a time, trying to get to college as well. That must be really nice, having both your parents there for you, helping you through the season and everything. Yeah, uh, can I ask you a question as well? Yeah, go for it. Uh, what's your hot take? Oh, my hot take? Um, I think my hot take is Taylor Swift is the best artist there is. Mm. Mm, I think so. Can you tell? I have her up on my TV, just like uh, always listen to her. Pretty overrated to me. That's just me. I don't know. What's yours? Uh, LeBron's the GOAT. Definitely. You know what? Actually, I agree with that. That's a pretty good one. Can I ask you a question? Yeah. Um, hmm. Who's your favorite artist? Since you literally dissed me for Taylor Swift. <laughs> uh... My favorite artist, I would probably say J. Cole. You know what? I can't even like get back at you for that. J. Cole is such a go. He's such a good he artist. So Especially good. Especially since he's from Charlotte too. Yeah, that's definitely a win. I'm from Charlotte, so. Yeah. Um, do you normally listen to J. Cole all the time? Like before your games and stuff? Uh, yeah, I would say most of my music is J. Cole. And, you know, before games, you know, he's definitely the person I listen to. Yeah. You know, some of his songs are so hype. Like, they always, like, motivate me. I do so much better listening to them. Exactly. Anyways, thank you so much, Mason, for coming on a five. This is Sammy and for your time. I had a really good talk with you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Told you, Sammy's getting really good. That's pretty cool. Well, Chelsea, um, we're going to see you next week. Uh, thanks for coming on. And uh, hopefully we'll get your interview next week with the Puerto Ridge young man. Yeah, I'll see y'all next week. All right, take care. All right, that's Miss Chelsea. Uh, it's time for the rundown, guys. Let's get right into it. Uh, we had a fight uh, in in the Greenville area, right, Alex? A, a yes, pretty sir. big fight last Tuesday. Then outside we had, of Greenville, yes, sir. Right outside of Greenville. Then we had a near fight at Myers Park on Friday. And just, Alex, I want to get your thoughts about, you know, what we're seeing in high school these days and, and what it could mean if these things continue to happen. Implement the Gaston County Schools policy across the board. Either you have a parent with you at the game or you don't come. Next. <laughs> Randall. Stop. Stop. We need to stop shaking hands. This this Friday night could have been avoided. Just stop shaking hands. Like we can, we're about, we can, we're about to see it right here. There it is, when right COVID, there. When COVID, when COVID, yeah, that that could, it could have been completely avoided. As a coach, you shouldn't be you shouldn't be acting like that under any circumstances. But if we if if you play a highly contested game and emotions are high, it, this seems to be a common theme this year with with close games. If the game's close and highly contested, I get it. We just do away. During COVID, everybody was waving hands, saying good game that way, say good game that way. 
I'll go to your, I'll go to my locker room. You go to your locker room. There's no problems. Absolutely not. That flies in the face. Why? What? 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 Name. Tell me one positive thing that happens from us shaking hands. It flies in the face of education-based athletics. That that has nothing nothing to do with it. What? What? If I tell you, me telling you, good good game and beating you by fifty or losing by two, it has nothing to do with that. With is a coach oh. who could not behave, and that's oh, a I completely agree. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, defending, I'm not defending him at all. But in order to stop things like this from happening, maybe we just tell him good game and we'll go to our locker room and you go to yours. No, you stop it from happening by expecting more of your so called educator coaches. That is a matter for the athletic director and the principal to address. That's not a basic function of sportsmanship and I if, you're, if your role models your supposed role models for the school and representatives of the school cannot set a better example for student athletes than that then that is to be addressed by the my, athletic my point director. is there's no positive thing from us shaking hands there's nothing positive that comes from us shaking hands there's no yes, benefit there what there what's the benefit hold on guys hold on guys i i i see i can see both sides of the coin I do think that it's, it, in in today's days and times, maybe it would not be a bad idea not to shake hands. I've seen football games in and the coaches say we're not going to shake hands to prevent these kind of things from happening. Sam Griner talks about it all the time. We have these discussions in football. I want to hear from Gary and, and Rick. Let's start with Rick. Rick, what are your thoughts on what happened in Myers Park, the video you just saw from the, the Greenville area, and just what you know in general about these types of things that happen in high school sports? It seems like it's happening way too much. And I think it's sort of the culture that we live in. It's sort of a trickle down effect, what you see in the NBA and so many people just emulate what they see on TV. But I think it's a bigger issue than just sportsmanship. You know, I agree with Alex. You know, I don't think we should do away with it because I think sportsmanship's part of the game. I think we do have a severe mental health crisis in this country that was due to COVID. And, you know, we got to reintroduce the rules and at the beginning of the year and sportsmanship, to the, like you said, the educators who were coaching the game of basketball. Yeah, I think Jeff Bishop is a really good coach at Olympic. I mean, I've coached against him in AAU, and I know how well prepared. I know how difficult it is to beat him. And the job he's doing with this Olympic team is phenomenal, and Rick's going to talk about that later mm-hmm. on. But, you know, slapping the coach's hand away I don't think was the right thing. And I don't mm-hmm. know what was said to him. I'm not saying that was the the – the, the thing that started it, I don't know if there was some conversation during the game right before then, but kids react when coaches react. Am I right, Gary? Exactly. The coach is the role model. That coach got to be suspended minimum. Minimum. This will be the second time he's been suspended this year. He was minimum. suspended earlier. Yeah, he was suspended earlier. Okay. Gary, and, and when you see this thing in Greenville right now, what do you, what do you think when you see that? Outside of Greenville. Outside uh, of Greenville, I'm sorry. Pitt County Schools friends happy. I, I, don't, I don't know how this particular thing started, but I think uh, at the beginning of the season, you have to train your, your team about how to um, react in various situations. You need to show them videos. You need to train them. You need to you need to set up scenarios that you just have to practice going through these things. You know, 20 years ago, we used to practice how we're going to line up for the uh, national anthem, yeah. how we were going to uh, act at the award ceremony and things like that. But now I think you have to practice, you know, what's going on now in a situation where it gets volatile with the crowd yeah, if, you, if you're if you're team. coaching if you're coaching the game this game was very heated 
And at the end of the game, there was a lot of emotion on both sides. Uh, the Mars Park people were celebrating vociferously, and the Olympic kids were really upset because they lost a close game. In that situation, when you know it's heated, is it a good idea to coaches just to say, we'll shake hands and send the kids back to the locker room? It's a good idea, but it, it sends the wrong message. I understand what Alex is saying about sportsmanship, mm-hmm. but, um, yeah, you know, to make sure cooler heads This prevail. could have been really ugly. Yeah, to make sure cooler heads prevail. I mean, that um, police officer yeah. get a lot of kudos right there because this really could have gotten out of control. Yeah. I mean, if one of those kids takes a swing, just one, or a fan, anybody, I mean, it could have got – and my yeah. photographer got knocked completely off his, his feet. The guy who took this, he got but, knocked down. But, and that's, but, that, if you look at this video, you see that man gets knocked down as well. I mean, that yeah, – and then he gets the, jumped on. I mean, it's, it's – uh, the, the coaching staff, though, they got to be the last to initiate some some brawl like this from taking place. I mean, yeah, yeah. that, you know, I, this is the first time I've seen either video. And it, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's the times we live in. Yeah. Alex, you, I mean, uh, Cam, you get the last word here. Yeah, I mean, in no way am I going to condone uh, Coach Bishop's, you know, slapping the hand away. But, you know, at the same time, I see, you know, the coaches uh, from Myers Park start to, like, up here to buck up to the students. Like, I mean, these kids are, I mean, like, like I said, they're kids. I mean, they're minors. I mean, you're grown adults. You should not be doing this. Um, mm-hmm. I think that's very uncalled for. Um, the assistants sitting there getting up in the student athletes faces, like, no, uh, that's but, not. But you know where do. a lot of this starts. And, and we, we had this discussion. During Social media. Social it starts media. on Twitter yep. with the coaches nowadays. Yep. Yep. Uh, yep. You know, I don't know if it's going on in basketball. No, it most definitely is going on in basketball. It's definitely going on in basketball. Well, don't you think the school system should have a social media policy for coaches and players? They do. They, they do. do. You're not supposed to engage in this type of stuff. You're not supposed to. I mean, uh, they they told the, the school-based accounts to basically just report the scores and how we did and not discuss other teams. That was in football season. I don't know, you know, how it's doing, about, or if the policy was expanded to basketball. Apparently it's not being enforced too well. Yeah, there's a, lot, there's, a lot, there's a lot of chatter before and after that Mars Park game for sure. A lot, a lot, a lot after. Um, you know, there was a reference to a funeral by one coach that I didn't really understand. Um, all right, conference tournaments are here. Uh, Cam, come to you first. Is anybody excited about conference tournaments till Friday when we get to the championship game? I mean, I'm I am. I mean, I just like basketball, but I mean, from from the fans' perspective, probably not because I mean, they're probably going to be some you know, blowouts, unless it's like the four or five matchups and stuff like that. But, I mean, I, at least I'm excited for Rick. tonight's games and tomorrow's games. Rick, what do you think? I, I think there could be some interesting semifinal games in each of the conferences, you know, because there's a lot of balance there. But, you know, the excitement is going to turn all the way to Friday night when you have the two top teams in the conference more likely playing each other. So, if we're just going to always have the two top teams in the conference. Uh, no, 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 no. 90% of the time, Gary, is, is no. it worth having a conference tournament? No. 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 I'm going to tell you, on the girls' end, there's no need to go to any game until Friday night. And I hate no. to say that, but there's no competition between between the, the two highest seeds of each girls' conference and, and the lower seeds. There's no competition. Randall, who's going to beat Myers Park or South Make in the Southwestern? I, I know you disagree with me. Who's going to beat them? I mean, I think I. I mean, you have to go. Don't, don't, don't go. Answer no, the no, no, nobody. I, I, I agree with Gary. What Gary just said is one hundred percent right. 
On the girl side, absolutely, like, I get it. I, I have no argument for that. But all I know is on the boys' side in the Southwestern 4A, things will get very, very interesting Thursday night. All right, all right, all right. But um, here's my question. Yeah. Is it going to affect playoff seedings? No. And I don't see any of them, boys or girls, no. affecting playoff seedings. I've only seen that happen like once or twice the whole time I've been here where a team comes out and, and earns that number two seed. It's very, very rare. Alex says, may he comment, please? I'm scared, but go ahead, Alex. <laughs> I'm looking forward Tuesday night to being in Cameron Indoor Stadium. I'm trying to figure out where I'm going to eat dinner before the game. And I'm looking forward Wednesday night to being at Williams Arena at Menji's Coliseum at East Carolina University and trying to figure out where I'm going to eat dinner before the game there. I'm looking forward to watching Trey Wirtz play tomorrow night. I'm looking forward to watching Odio Guama play on Wednesday night. Does that tell you what I think about conversation? <laughs> I was going to say you didn't mention anything about high school in any, in any of that. Cameron, Duke got a bad call Saturday and the Super Bowl had a con- controversial call to end of the game. How often does this happen in high school? What can we do about it? I think it happens a fair amount in high school. Um, what, what can we do about it? Uh, there's such a shortage of refs, so you really don't want to irritate referees any more than what we already seem to do. But at the same time, they need to be held accountable. I mean, when you make a bad call like Duke got on Saturday, I mean, I know that's at the collegiate level. <laughs> there's got to be some kind of accountability because, I mean, the conference came out with an hour saying that, their referees messed up, and it cost a team the game. Um, yeah, we do see it at the high school level, but I don't know what there is that we can really do, per se, though. Richard? I think you're going to find referees are going to make mistakes, and they're human, and it's, you're always going to have mistakes that will um, determine the outcome of a game. It, it, it's going to happen, and there's very few things that you can do about it. Yeah. Um, all right, so now Gary called me this morning. And or text me this morning and wanted to name the Charlotte Mecklenburg schools and area players of the year. And I told him, okay. And um, I did not pick these guys. This is, this is not my doing. This is Gary and Randall, but they're, they're girls players of the year. And Gary, you can take it away. Okay. Um, you know, I know we go over the, the, the rankings of, of the state players of the year, but you know, I think you leave out a lot of deserving kids. And I remember from, you know, when I was coaching, we always had a, a conference player of the year, conference coach of the year, you know, along with the all-conference teams. So I thought it would be interesting to to do that again so some some more people get recognition. Mm. Um, we don't uh, – I want the public to understand that the coaches voted on Saturday when they had their, their conference meetings on Saturday. So this, the coaches didn't make these selections uh, from the girls' side. Randall and I did the girls this morning. And, uh, you know, a lot of it has to do with who we've seen play in the record. So that's how we made our decisions. And uh, so in the greater metro, which is Cabarrus and, and uh, Iredale County, uh, our player of the year is uh, Christian Lewis-Williams. Uh, from Lake Norman and her coach, um, Mackenzie Graham. At the Queen City level uh, or Queen City Conference, uh, player of the year is Ellie Stone, uh, the, the kid. Just a sophomore. And, yeah, and she's had a great season at Mallet Creek. Um, 
does some of everything for them, uh, kind of like Christian Lewis Williams at Lake Norman, mm. uh, except younger. And then, of course, our coach of the year is um, North Mac, who's undefeated in the conference and lost only one game so Too far. Lake Norman. Yep. And then in the SOMAC, um, we had Anastasia Sinclair uh, from South Mac. And the coach of the year would be Justin Clark from South Mac. He's replacing a legend in yes. Christy, Christy Mitchell. It's always tough when you replace a successful coach, especially when you weren't an assistant on that staff. And, and we think Justin did an outstanding job. Randall, you can, you can go over the, uh, the rest of them. Yeah, for sure. I think Justin has done a great job, and Anastasia's played really well for South Mac. I think it's probably one of the surprises for us. Not a big surprise, but uh, a surprise nonetheless. And the Southwestern uh, for a player of the year, Cam Kitchen. She's been unbelievable. Uh, I think shoot, man. Shoot, shoot. She, she can definitely shoot it. And uh, coach of the year is Lauren Galvani, the daughter of Rick Rick uh, Dwayne Lewis. I'm getting ready to say Rick Lewis. Uh, I, 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 you know, I said it a couple weeks ago. I'm super surprised this team, you know, they lost their best player in preseason. Um, I don't know if the expectations were the highest for independence and they have put together a great season, ended up winning the conference and, um, you know, they're going to try to try to go for the clean sweep this week. Um, in our private schools, we just had Samaya suffering on, on earlier. She's done a great job of leading that Cannon school this year. She plays hard on both ends and really competes, you know, 15 points, eight rebounds a game. And coach of the year, Kelvin Drakeford, uh, Cannon undefeated right now in the conference. Yeah, um, they've won like 31 straight conference games or something like that. I mean, yeah, really putting, together, really putting together a special season. But like Samaya said earlier, uh, they want to finish it off this year. And one of the things that one of the things that I kind of look at and and I talk to people about this in football season. I think we should always distinguish between who's the most talented player and who's the best player. You know, the mm -hmm. most talented may be the one that has all the measurables as far as, you know, height, size, uh, strength, speed, those type of things, and who all the, the, the big schools are recruiting because they see the potential. But I, I'm more or less concerned with who's the best player, who leads their team, who uh, impacts their teams winning the most. And so that's how I differentiate between the best players. Yeah, I think I, I always think that winning matters. And yeah, it I, definitely you know, matters. You know, it, and especially when you get to this time of the year, you really find who, who puts their imprint on, on their team. Um, so it makes it a little bit easier in that sense. All right, let's flip it to the boys' side. Richard, take it away. Well, in the greater Metro um, 4A, I think the player of the year is in, basically it's also the best player in the league, and that's Langston Boyd. Um, Cox Mill finished third. They had a lot of injuries, and he was injured earlier, but here's a player that averaged 20-plus points a game, 7.5 rebounds. He had five assists, and, you know, two or three steals per game. So his cumulative average was like 37, so he tracked very well there. As far as coach of the year, you know, hands down, Grant Hodges at Lake Norman, has done a masterful job. Um, you know, he does have the senior Cole Callaway, but he has a very young team. Um, he also starts three sophomores, um, which, you know, very good. Trent Steinauer, Trey McKinnon, and Josh Yates. And he also has another freshman with the name of Nick that's going to be really, really good too. So, you know, they have a young team. I think they're going to be a team of the future as well. 
Um, in the Queen City 3A, 4A, Isaiah Evans, um, you know, he's a national recruit. Um, looking at some of his stats, he's, he charted over 40 on my cumulative average. You know, here's a young man that's averaging 25 points a game, seven rebounds, four assists, two steals, and two blocks. Um, pretty amazing um, stat line, and he's cracked 40 points three, guy, three times on the road this year. And then coach of the year, um, you know, is Brian Frazier. After losing two high major prospects last year and Jalen Curry and Daniel Sanford, you know, I, I don't think anybody really had Chambers competing with North Mech for the conference um, regular season championship. He's done a masterful job there. Um, in the South Mech foray, this was a tough one. Um, you know, you, I went with Elijah Strong at Myers Park. And the reason for it, I think he's been the most consistent player on Myers Park this year. Uh, there's an argument that could be made, you know, for Olympic with um, Cameron's had a really good year as well. Um, you also have Sir Muhammad and um, Bishop Boswell. So that was a tough one right there. It could have gone to any of those four, but I went with consistency and the senior leadership of Elijah Strong. And then a, and coach of the year, um, Jeff Bishop, you know, Olympic last year went 10 and 11. Mm -hmm. uh, they lost their top four scores to graduation. So, you know, they, they haven't had a lot of talent and coming into this year, um, finishing 23 and three is pretty amazing. Um, especially when no one expected Olympic to have any type of season like they're having this year. Um, moving to the Southwestern foray, um, 5'11 senior Jordan Neville at East Mecklenburg is my, you know, player of the year. And again, I base this on the cumulative average and looking at you basically he's had a great year averaging right at 24 points a game, four rebounds, three assists, um, two and a half steals per game. So he cracked in about 33 on my cumulative average, which is really amazing. And then court coach of the year, um, Mike King at Charlotte Catholic. Um, he's done a great job this year. They won the regular season championship and, you know, they're led by six, eight senior Patrick Tibbin. But outside of that, no noticeable, you know, collegiate players really on the roster that's like jumps out at you as like a D1 type prospect. Um, going over to the private schools in the area, um, I think the player of the year, and this could be a, a really a toss up between um, Jaden Mustoff, but I went with Austin Swartz because of his cumulative average. He's, he's basically doing a lot of things. He's scoring, he's rebounding, and he has a, a lot of assists. Man, having eight assists a game. I mean, I'm just saying. That's, I mean, I'm he, just, he's doing it. Um, he's having a great year. Um, I think you guys are holding on. I think you guys are looking at Austin like last year, year before, little Austin, especially Randall, and penalizing him now for this Austin. Because I'm telling I'm you. Not I'm, I'm not penalizing. I'm, I'm not penalizing Austin. I don't get to pick this stuff anymore. But I'm telling I'm, you. I'm not, I'm not penalizing Austin. Austin's having a great year. You will get no fight from me. I'm in regards to Austin you, this, guy, this guy's translating. I'm telling you, his game well, is translating. And, and Langston, you are correct. You know, looking at his cumulative average, you look at his points, assists, rebounds, steals, blocks. You know, he's pushing right at 40, which is, is really, um, really high. So, you know, I think he's very well deserving of player of the year for the private school. Um, the coach of the year, it was a toss-up between Gaston Christian Gabe Blair, who's turned that program around, um, and they're, I think, the number three seed in the 
three A. But I went with, you know, Joe Badgett because year in, year out, he does a remarkable job. You know, he loses key pieces like Kate Tyson last year, and, and he lost a lot of people. You know, he did, you know, bring in uh, Kamani and also Jaden Mustaf and, and Bryce Cash, but he's done a remarkable job as far as being probably one of the top teams in the state of North Carolina. I think they're a national. I'm going to tell you, I mean, I don't normally talk about personal stuff. But I'm going to tell you a little, a little personal story. I was lucky enough in, in my opinion, I chose, you know, is when you put your kid in private school, you can kind of choose where they go. I thought Brian field was the best coach around for what I needed for my kid when my older son was in high school. And I had a phenomenal experience with Brian field. He's a wonderful coach, everything. I mean, just if you wanted, the perfect coach to coach your kid in high school, he was it. He could he could actually know it. He could be a, the, the the father away from home. Uh, you know, he, he had all the coaching connections, and he's just a good dude. Um, did not have a good experience after Brian Field left. Uh, it went completely sideways. So we looked for a new school, found Coach Badgett, and I feel like I got Brian Field 2.0 and Coach Badgett, at least for my kid. I'm not talking about anybody else's kid. I think well, the, way Joe, the way Joe coaches relates to the kids – uh, his connections, I just think it's a it's a really good fit over there at Carmel Christian. I've been really, just as a parent, been really um, impressed with what they have going on over there. Well, in addition to that, um, he's also Mr. GQ on the sideline. <laughs> that's, but, what, that's what Alex always says. <laughs> but um, more importantly, you know, and we, we mentioned this earlier, talking about educators being also role models. Yeah. I think the other thing that really has impressed me about Joe in all these years, I think in all the years coaching, he's had one technical foul. Um, rarely on the sidelines do you see Joe ever, ever getting upset at the officials. He doesn't say anything. He just sits he's, there it's like Dinkins. He doesn't say anything. Cool, calm, and collect. And I think basically that type of bench behavior yeah. should be rewarded, and that's the reason why also he's coach of the year. All right. Well, those are Rick's picks for uh, Boys All Conference Awards. And we're going to find out who Randall picked for his Players of the Week on Randall's Rockstars. And we're getting a visit from who? Samantha Sheehan this week from Lake Norman. All right. And welcome back. We are here for another week, Randall's Rockstars. We're going to find out who, who, on the ladies' side, who had a great week. And we are going to start off first and foremost with Betsy Burnett of South Mech. The senior had 20 points, five rebounds, five assists, and three steals versus Barry. And then Tuesday, 25 points, seven rebounds, four assists, four steals versus RJ Kell on Friday. Next up on our list was our rock star from last week, Rihanna Minyard from West Cabarrus. She led her team to a 61-50 win over uh, Huff with 27 points, 11 rebounds, and six assists and five steals. Next, Ella Chappelle from Marvin Ridge. She had 23 points, 11 rebounds for the Marvin Ridge team as they won 53-39 to against Weddington. And next up on the list, Amanda Sakoto from Cupperson. Amanda had 27 points and 15 rebounds in her team's victory versus Sun Valley. And last but not least, my rock star of the week, Miss Sam Sheehan from the Lake Norman Wildcats. Sam, how are you this morning? I'm doing great. Well, Sam, obviously you had a great Friday night, 30 points, 
uh, six made threes, a, a great night offensively. But I want to talk to you really about, you know, your undefeated season so far. Um, like, you want me to like elaborate how's, on the season? Like, how's, how, yeah, yeah. How's it? How's the season? How's the season been going so far for you guys? Obviously, you're yeah. undefeated. Um, what's it like being a sophomore on an undefeated basketball team? Um, I think this season has obviously went very well. I think as a team, everyone's worked extremely hard to get where we wanted to. And I think it's mainly because outside of practice, everyone's training, everyone's conditioning, everyone's weightlifting. Like, I think everyone's putting in a lot of work. And I'm, I'm really excited for this to be my sophomore year because I wasn't really believing that I could, that I was going to, um, I don't know how to put it in words, but I think I did well, more than I thought I was going to be able to this year. Okay, because last year as a freshman, you didn't play as much, and it's something that obviously you're not used to. So yeah. has that been the biggest difference for you this year is, like, you didn't play a lot as a freshman, and you came in as a sophomore not really knowing your role and how everything was going to be, and then, boom, you're in yeah. the starting lineup, you're playing a ton of minutes, and, and your team's really dependent on you? Exactly, yeah. I yeah, I didn't expect it because I think this last year is just a way different season for me and for everyone than this year. So. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. All right, my last question before I let you go. Sue Bird or Diana Taurasi? Uh, Diana right, Taurasi. I love it. I love it. Because I, I love it when she, like, just the ball down the court and does a quick stop. She... The little pickup jumper that she does. Yes, yes, ma'am. All right, Sam. Yeah. Well, good luck in the playoff next week and good luck the rest of the way. And hopefully uh, we'll, we'll see you guys make a nice little run here in the, in, the, in the final few weeks of the season. Thank you for having me. And if you want to be one of Randall's rock stars, make sure to reach out to me on Instagram and Twitter at The1RC. We'll see you next week. So, Randall, do you think there's any way that uh, Lake Norman doesn't have a nice little run? No, I don't think so, man. It's just that's a well-oiled machine. <laughs> they shoot they the ball that, like crazy. They defend they like crazy. They shoot the ball like crazy. You know, you know who their you light got, coach – you know who their light – not to interrupt you, uh, Randall, but you know who their light coach, Rick? They play a lot like Central Bears. They press you out. They share the ball and they shoot the mess out of it. That's not the word I want to use, bro. They got shooter. They got shooters that shoot. They got defenders that defend. They got rebounders that rebound. I mean, they got the best closer in the area. Yeah. Yes. Yes. They, they got. They got. They got. You know. They got the closer. You know who's going best to finish? They got, the finish? they got the best. They got to finish. They got to finish. All right. Let's talk about private school uh, boys playoffs. One A. Anything jump out at you on the top side of one A, uh, Richard? Um, I had I, I couldn't see it here, so I I went ahead and printed it out. Um, okay. So anyway, in the in the 1A, uh, it's going to come down to two teams. It's going to come down to United Faith at 29 and two, and Northside Christian at 19 and 14. And um, it, it's really a top heavy um, 1A. I want to say one thing about the 1A. Both of the coaches there are first year head coaches. You know, mm -hmm. you have Darian Holloway at United Faith and Ed Cook at Northside Christian. Don't be fooled by Northside Christian's record. They played a very difficult schedule. But on paper, United Faith has too much talent, in my opinion. Um, at the 2A, it's going to come down to the Burlington School at 19 and 15 versus Wayne Country Day at 27 and 6. 
Um, these are the cream of the crop in the 2A. And these are also both first-year coaches at that school, George Marshall and Jeff Davis at Wayne Country Day. I think those are the, the two favorites in the 2A. The 3A gets a little bit more competitive. Oh, I can't even get two of these 2A <laughs> Good God, there's a lot of 2A schools. I just got right down to the two teams that should be in it. All right, here we go to 3A. Top okay. bracket of 3A. 3A, um, Concord Academy at 29 and 6. Um, now they, they will have a tough game in the semifinals against Asheville School. But Concord yeah, Darren, Academy. Darren Sheeran, is that his name, the point guard? He's Darren Sheeran, yeah. yeah. He's good. Um, Asheville School is has a very tall team. Um, they got a lot of the European players on the team. Yes. But I do think Concord Academy just has too much quickness and athleticism. And Rick, I got I got to ask you, though, because Asheville is going to play. South Lake and, and Asheville Christian have won 17 games between them and lost 43. They're going to – one of those teams is going to advance. And then Calvary Days at 21 and 9. I asked the same question about the girls' side. Are there too many teams with losing records getting into these prop school playoffs? I, I think so. But I think part of the, the – the, the format in the NCIS, I think everybody that plays in a conference um, gets invited to the. I just uh, think they ought to combine the two of the lower classes together, like the, like the public schools do a 1A, 2A, and make it more of a reward to kind of get to the playoffs. Because I, some of these teams have to drive a long way to get blown out. And it's like, and it's like you know you're going to get blown out. And, it, and I'm sure like once every 2,000 games, something crazy happens, but you know you're going to get blown out. Well, in the 3A, the other intriguing matchup you're going to have, and probably in the semifinals, in my I'm opinion, at it right now. is going to be Greensboro Day um, with Freddie Johnson, the winningest coach of all time in North Carolina, going up against Gaston Christian, which is an upstart program. And you got, you know, really first-year head coach Gabe Blair. Um, he's done a remarkable job over at Gaston Christian. This is going to be a toss-up, in my opinion. Um Greensboro Day, um, you know, they sort of hit a snag late in the season. Um, and I think for the most part, Gaston Christian has been playing pretty well. They did lose to Concord Academy for the conference championship, but they had already beaten them twice during the regular season. So um, that would be the biggest toss-up there as far as in the 3A. But tell me about the big boys. The big boys. Um, Carmel, 26-4. and four. Uh, I think they will go up in the semifinals against Raven Gap, another team from the, you know, the, they're actually from Georgia, but they're sort of like Asheville School. They, they've beaten Nashville School. They've also beaten Christ School. They're very big. Um, if I'm not mistaken, did not um, Christ School go up to Raven's Gap this year? I'm not sure. Raven Gap played Carmel early this year, but I'm not sure about Christ School. Yeah, um, I'm talking about Raven Gap. Raven Gap played Carmel earlier this year, yes. Okay. Yeah, they're they're not a bad team. They're again, they're going to be. They got a lot of those European players. They're a little bit more mechanical. Mm -hmm. I just think the backcourt between um, Kamani, Bryce, and Jaden, the defensive pressure of those three, um, is going to be way too much for them to handle. I do think Carmel's going to be in this championship game. I think that the team that's going to be over there is the intriguing matchup. Probably you got Cannon, which I think Cannon is. Um, 28 and six going up against Christ School, which is 28 and four. Mm -hmm. I think they have a little better record. Uh, but I don't think the Christ School has played the competition of Cannon. And I think playing against the tough competition that Cannon on a day to day basis, especially in the playoffs, I think they're going to be more used to 
the situation and the environment than Christ school. So I'm anticipating a Carmel Cannon rematch part three. Oh my goodness. That uh that that could be a pretty pretty good game. Um Randall hearing that, what do you think? I I do think I think I got an upset. I got an upset happening in the semis. I got Providence Day beating Raven Gap. So you know that'll set up set up that matchup. But I do I like your final of Carmel Cannon part three and it should be interesting especially at a neutral site all right i will i will say one thing about providence day um providence day has um sort of come on as late they had a lot of attrition during the season and lost two players but they seem to be finding their groove a little bit so you you might be right um randall about providence day all right well there's rick's uh picks for the ncisa boys championship games um We'll see if that happens uh, in Forsyth Country Day a week from Saturday. It should be some good basketball. All right, now we're going to look at the public school previews. And let me – Rick had some games. Hold on before I call up the brackets. Rick had a couple games that caught his eye. His key first-round games, and Rick, we'll let you talk about those. I think the, the most important game that I see on this list is the Queen City 3A, 4A matchup between Hopewell, who's 13-10, and 10, going up against West Charlotte, who's 11 and 12. Um, Hopewell's, you know, you know, if you look at their strength of schedule, they have one of the, the highest strength of schedules um, in the state, and they've always been ranked pretty high in max prep. Um, they still are very young. They, they got a young backcourt. I think they have three juniors in the backcourt. For West Charlotte, you know, they're the defending 3A state champion. I think it's important for West Charlotte to gain some momentum going into the 3A state playoffs. I think that's going to be an intriguing matchup there. The other one is, I think, that I really like is a, a team that could really sneak up. You have Providence. Um, you know, they had a, a huge turnaround. Um, you know, they're 10 and 12 this year. Um, last year, they only won four games in one game in conference play, and they also beat East Mech this last week. They're going up against Independence. And anytime you go up against Independence with – Preston Davis, um, they already beat East Mac during the season as well. But they're a tough team on any one game, and you can't afford to have a bad game against one of these two teams. Whoever wins that game could be a dangerous team in the next round. So I, that's the other game that I want to really match look at. And I think the other one, um, West Cabarrus and Mooresville, could be an intriguing matchup. Um, the winner of that game, both of them have had a pretty good season. The greater Metro, the top four or five is really, really good. Um, the winner of that game gets the luxury of playing Lake Norman um, in the semifinals. Uh, Gary, now we talked earlier about is anybody really paying attention to a Friday? Now, Richard is the guru. He looked through a gazillion games, and he only could come up with four that mattered in the first round. I'm just saying. So, yeah, I, you know, Hopewell and West Charlotte, I think that'll be a good one uh, for playoff seating. Um you know, they're both flawed, obviously. Uh, Hopewell doesn't have any height, and West Charlotte is – some heck of a guard play, though. Yeah, yeah. And then West Charlotte is fighting, you know, the the idea people think you're supposed to repeat, but it's a different team. But the, that team is carrying the weight of last year's team. And well, I also think, you know, West Charlotte – the, the speed limit's about to slow down for West Charlotte. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, I think I think that's you know you, you got to consider that you know as, as they move on through the playoffs. But here here are the uh, the brackets. Um, 
you know, we can't go through everybody's bracket, but there's a Queen City. You know, everybody's looking forward to a potential uh, North Mech Chambers 3. Randall, is there anybody's going to get in the way of that on, no. the, on the way? No. 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 So we're definitely getting Chambers North Mech 3. Now, there's a there's a so Mech. If I'm scrolling too fast, you guys get, like, whiplash, tell me. But there's a – is anybody going to stop Myers Park Olympic 3? No. Audrey Kell might have something to say about that. Audrey Kell might No. Next. <laughs> Audrey Kell beat Olympic. All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's because that was the perfect trap game for Audrey Kell. Congratulations. Good win. No. That's a trap game. No, right. no one's going no to stop it unless the fans do. Oh, here we go. Here's the, here's the Southwestern for you. I know that uh, Randall thinks this could be a really competitive Thursday semifinal. What semifinal matchups do you think will happen on Thursday, Randall? I mean, you just get you get Providence or Indy versus Catholic. That'll be a good one. If you get Butler versus East Mech again, that'll be a good one. Like this is the conference where you know Thursday could be interesting, just depending on matchups. Who's getting to the championship game? I'm going Catholic East Mech part Catholic three. East Mech part three. That could be that could be interesting. And uh, Cam, we're gonna get down to your conference, the Greater Metro. What do you see here? I know they played tonight, so it's kind of hard. I don't know who won. Yeah, so I think hard. it's Lake Normans to lose. Um, Mooresville, hold on one second. I've actually got the game pulled up. Mooresville is up by three, it appears, with 2.51 to go, 48-45 to 45 on West Cabarrus right now. Um, so I still think it's Lake Normans to lose, but West Cabarrus might give them a little bit of trouble. I don't see Cox Mill. I mean, I see Cox Mill probably getting to the championship game, but I don't think they'll beat Lake Norman. Lake Norman's really, really big. Rick, I, I know we were hunting in Southern Carolina. We finally got it. They started playing tonight. But what do you think here could happen? Uh, I don't know if you can see that either. It's 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 really hard for me to see that one. Okay. <laughs> but um, the, everybody's kind of bunched up all together. I mean, Piedmont has the best record at 18-6. They're having one of the best seasons they've had in a long time. Uh, they got a kid, Miles Leaks, is leading them to uh, he's having a phenomenal season for them. They have a, a bye in the first round. They're going to play the, the winner of Marvin Ridge, Porter Ridge, the two teams right around 500. The other game is going to be Cumberson at 5 and 19 tonight, playing Sun Valley, which is 12 and 11. That game started at 7 30, so it should be ending right about now. They'll play Weddington. Uh, if I was guessing, Randall, I'm looking at a Weddington Piedmont final. What do you think? Um, pretty, yeah, yeah. I mean, unless, unless there's a surprise, it's probably, that's probably chalk. And I think Piedmont could, you know, go ahead and win out. And in the Northwestern for you real quick, you know, your freedom's looking real good. I know uh, Rick's been real high on Amari Connolly. You know, I think they're going to get to the finals probably against Alexander Central. And I'm kind of looking, you know, Gary talked about one, two, and all these things. And as you kind of look through it and you start trying to, to look at it, it's hard to, to, to think that it won't be one, two. Uh, down in Gastonia, uh, you know, we got uh, a really competitive conference there. But South Point's having a phenomenal year, 21 and 3. Crest has been coming on a lot. Crick has had Crest kind of on the bubble of the Sweet 16 yeah. in a couple of weeks. So I think, you know, those two teams to watch down there. And I think in the, once they get into the playoffs and get away from each other, those two teams can make some noise in, in the 3A class. And I'll stop here, guys. There's so many conferences. But the South Piedmont 3A um, is going to be a real competitive. There's not a team that kind of jumps off the page. Concourse having a, a kind of resplendent year. Uh, they're going to be good. But I don't think anybody's going to beat Central Cabarrus. You know, I think that – 
you know, you can do or say what you want to, but I think Central <laughs> Comparison is going to come out of that thing 26 and 0 and go into yeah, the playoffs. Yeah, already set in that conference. Yeah, they they, they got a they got a matchup coming up uh, I think with West Charlotte and then the winner of that's going to play Northwood and I I think the the 3A could be kind of fun. The 3A uh, state championship will be um, Central Bears and Northwood. There you have it right there from from the guru. Concord All plays right. uh Carson tomorrow and uh, Northwest won today and they play Central tomorrow. Yeah. Okay. Well, there you go. There you have it. All right, Rick. Let's tell us tell us who's on your list for Mister Basketball as we cut it to eight. Uh, the, the the one thing that jumps out about this list right here is seven of the eight players are juniors. Um, the only one that's a senior is Josh Short from Farmville Central, having a great year. He signed with the University of New Orleans. In um, the Mustafa uh, Junior. Huh? You said you said only senior. Everybody yeah. on this list is juniors except. Oh, oh yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. Yes, correct. Yeah, and um, the one criteria I used for this was basically one, name one player that could absolutely carry a team to a state championship. And you look at Drake Powell at Northwood, the most probably, in my opinion, the most complete player in the state of North Carolina has already committed to UNC. Jay Mustoff is just, to me, one of the best on-ball defenders in the state, and he's just a winner. Um, we've already talked about Isaiah Williams uh, – excuse me, Isaiah Evans. Um, Jaden Duke Harris at Salisbury, um, they're like 18 and 5. Um, they've played a tough schedule. They've been yeah. a lot of our events. And the coach, there, yeah. the coach wanted to play some tougher teams to prepare them for the state. So um, look out for Salisbury in the in the two way West, and of course we've mentioned Austin Swartz earlier. Uh, Jaron Stevenson's um, that's a unique one. He was probably a bubble for me. Now he's a four or five star prospect. The thing with Jaron is he's one of the most unselfish players in the state. But I, I did want to give him credit for one thing. There's been a lot of tug and pull for like why is Jaron Stevenson playing at Seaford, which is a new new school. Yeah. You know, it, it, his dad's a coach there, so I think it's pretty neat that a player of his caliber is is really humble and sticking to his guns is playing, you know, for a, a average high school team. As a matter of fact, the team that I have to win the 1A state is Chatham um, Charter. They beat them um, this last weekend. Um, we've talked about Paul McMill in the past. I think he was a Gatorade Player of the Year. He transferred to Prolific Prep, came back, and since he's been back at Richmond – They've gone undefeated, so they're like 17 and two. So I think Mr. Basketball watch list, every one of these guys has a chance to lead their team to a state championship. Yeah, Alex, um, Rick kind of touched on something right there. He talked about the Chatham Charter being a favorite in one day. The, the charter schools seem to really be dominating those lower classes. I know part of that, the, the legislature versus the state association battle we saw over the last 18 months was a lot about that. Do, do you think that we're handling that correctly or should the charter schools be in their own division? Charter schools per the North Carolina high school athletic association bylaws fall under the umbrella of public schools or non-boarding parochial day schools and are due the rights opportunities and benefits of full membership in the North Carolina high school athletic association as prescribed right now. I didn't ask what did they belong in the association? I said they belong in their own classification. 
North Carolina High School Athletic Association per its bylaws is restricted to four classifications as things stand right now. If anyone would like to go to additional classifications, put an amendment on the table and pass it and make it happen. So as things stand right now, should charter schools be included in classifications as they're structured and compete accordingly with like size schools? Absolutely, yes, they should. So they shouldn't have to play upper class, you don't think? Absolutely not. Because they, they used to do that with some of the parochial schools. Absolutely okay. not. We just, we and, just... and no, the North Carolina High School Athletic Association never mandated that. Parochial schools, particularly Cardinal Gibbons High School, to which I can speak specifically, having been an athletic administrator there when that decision was made, Cardinal Gibbons for years has requested to play in a higher classification. That speaks very highly of the school and its desire to cultivate its program on multiple levels, including the development and proliferation of natural rivalries with Raleigh schools, many of whom were founded around the same time as Cardinal Gibbons or when Cardinal Gibbons assumed the name Cardinal Gibbons, which was in the 1960s. So those are natural rivalries. And building those natural rivalries really is a testament to Cardinal Gibbons recognizing its place in the city of Raleigh and looking to do what is best for high school athletics across the board. So, I mean, that's... They're also doing what's best for their bottom line because they're playing schools in Raleigh. They're going to make more money playing 3A schools out in the hinterland somewhere. Let's just be honest. Well, but the other thing you have to consider there is the reality that when the, the cultivation of competitive opportunities transcends football and basketball, I think it's important that we recognize that schools have to be in positions when you're talking about full-fledged athletics programs. Alex, 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 Alex. No, we're going we're, we're to get this right. We're not going to turn this into a battle against non-boarding parochial. No, 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 no. I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. Gary, if yes. you can play schools in your backyard where mom and dad going to come versus going to play schools in Hickory or mom and dad not going to come, which one are you going to do? You're going to play local schools because you need revenue. That's all I'm saying, Alex. That's all I'm saying. No one makes substantial revenue beyond football and basketball. No one. No one does. I'm going to make a lot more when I'm playing Raleigh Millbrook and Raleigh – uh, Ravens, uh, the Raleigh schools versus, you know. <laughs> well, you really have to keep in mind the dynamic in Raleigh, Wake County is a little different from Charlotte, Mecklenburg County in terms of even elite level football because the competitive parity across the board is a higher level in Charlotte, Mecklenburg County. Nobody is going to dispute that. Mm -hmm. Even though Cardinal Gibbons has won a state championship in football, but no one is going to dispute. They won a home game. That was not a home game. <laughs> nope. But no one is going to dispute that the competitive He's so easy, He's so easy. is a higher level in Charlotte Mecklenburg football and basketball. Right. So it's a different dynamic in terms of even those two sports as revenue generators once we get past football and basketball there's no revenue to be had for anybody yeah but if i'm not playing raleigh schools with football and basketball i'm not making as much revenue as if i was playing outside that's all i'm saying you can disagree but i think i'm correct on this one here's rick's picks and welcome back i'm randall clark i'm here with the guru mr rick lewis and we are here for another week of rick's picks Coach Lewis, who we got this week? Well, first off, we have 6'6 senior Rashad McCormick. And what a better way to end senior night than having a double-double of 19 points, 10 rebounds, and a 51-50 overtime 
not overtime, but double overtime win over rival Hopewell. Um, Huff finished 16 and 8 for the season, 7 and 5 in conference play, and a number three seed in the Queen City Conference Tournament. Next up, we have Caden Caskey of Audrey Kale. Um, you know, the one thing about Audrey Kale is they needed another player to step up this year outside of Brock Rose. Caskey had 19 points in the upset win Tuesday on Olympic and followed up with 26 points Friday night versus Barry. And it enabled Audrey Kale to finish with a 9-3 and three conference record. And I think a lot of people coming into the season probably didn't really understand what kind of season Audrey, Audrey Kale would have. And I think Caden Caskey is going to be that third person that will help Audrey Kale maybe have a nice little playoff run. Next up is 6'8 senior Avion Penner of Concord Academy. This was a great win for Concord Academy because they needed it to, to establish some momentum going into the, um, the NCISAA state playoffs. He had 12 points, seven rebounds, five assists in the Metroline Athletic Conference championship game versus Gaston Christian. This was important because Gaston Christian had swept Concord Academy during the regular season. Um, next up, we have 6'5", Clayton Gaither of Providence. Um, he's a Roanoke commit. He had 25 points going 8 of 12 from the floor, 6 of 6 from the free throw line, and the upset win over East Mech sort of knocked East Mech out of, you know, being in contention for the regular season conference championship. But more importantly, the one thing that's important with Clayton and also Providence, this year – Providence went 10 and 12 in the regular season, six and six in conference play. Last year, they only won four regular season games in one conference game. So a big turnaround for Providence and Clayton Gaither was instrumental in that turnaround. And last but not least, we have six, seven, super, you know, just super junior in Isaiah Evans. Um, the one thing about Isaiah, he had 40.7 rebounds Tuesday, 41 points, 10 rebounds Friday at West Charlotte. But more importantly, both these performances was on the road. So, you know, and also, you know, you look at what he's done, the 40-plus games always come on the road, Chambers, Hopewell, and West Charlotte. Yeah, well, I mean, one thing we definitely know for sure watching him this this season and, and prior to is he can put the ball in the basket. Isaiah, welcome. Good morning. Good morning. How y'all doing? Good, good. Well, Isaiah, obviously you had a big week. You said, was it 41 versus Hopewell? Yeah, yeah, it was 41 versus Hopewell. 41 versus Hopewell, 40 yeah, versus West Charlotte, and your team needed every one of them. Uh, just tell us a little bit about, you know, going into games like that, hostile environments on the road, uh, what is your mentality kind of as the as the jump ball, you know, tips off? Um, I mean, I've just been trying to get to the basket. Like, I have problems with just shooting, shooting too many jumpers. And, then, you know, my coaches and everybody gets on me like, like you 6'7", bro. You shouldn't be shooting 10 threes a game. I mean, they don't say that, but literally, like, I don't have to. You know, I could right, really for sure. get to my spot and um, just make it so much easier for myself. So that comes, you know what I'm saying? Like, the last – like I think I shot ten free throws versus um Hopewell, but then I shot twenty versus um West Charlotte. So just getting to the free throw line is just key for me and getting my team going. Isaiah, in a game Friday night against West Charlotte, you guys were down big in the first quarter. 
and still trailed at halftime. What was your mindset going into the second half? And what did Coach Dwayne Lewis tell you guys at halftime? Um, my mindset um, was just a new game. Like, it's a whole new game. Like, it's a new half. The, the first half doesn't matter anymore. It already happened. Don't worry about it. Like, just play our game. And we already made a, a comeback. You know, we, we was down. I, I don't want to over-exaggerate it, but I'm pretty sure after the first quarter, I looked up at the scoreboard. We was down 20. So, it was 22. It was 22 to 4. Yeah, exactly. So, I was like, oh, man, like, this ain't never. We ain't never. I mean, we've been down before, but it's never been that bad, especially that early. So, um, yeah, going to halftime, I was just like, new game. You know what I'm saying? The guys, we weren't really too shook enough about it. We've been down before. But, Coach, you was just like, I mean, we knew they were going to come out punching. It's their senior night. It's at home. And that's how Charlotte, you know, they always going to play hard for their home crowd. So, he was just like, um, come out, do what you're supposed to do. Stop taking so many jump shots and keep getting to the basket. Um, every time we get to the basket, it's something good. Every time we swing in the ball, it's something good. Stop taking quick shots. So, stuff like that. Isaiah, you're on. You guys are on track that you could possibly play Chambers again for the conference championship. But the unique thing about the Chambers North Mac rivalry, like for this year, you guys went to Chambers and beat them on the road, and then they came at North Mac and beat you guys on the road. So this is going to be at a neutral site. So what's the outcome going to be for the conference championship? I mean, you know, obviously we we want to win every we want to win everything. Any championship we can get, you know, we're going after it. You know, obviously I think my team's gonna come out on top. They might think otherwise. You know, it's gonna be a good game. I'm pretty sure they're gonna play hard. I know my guys gonna play hard. So we're gonna see what the outcome is Friday. One more thing, Isaiah um, Cameron Williams also talking preps has nicknamed you the Slim Reaper. Let me ask you this. Who do you model your game after? And if you look at anybody, whether it's college or the NBA, who does your game remind you of? Uh, well, the first question, who I model my game after, I just really, when I go into the gym, I just try and find things that I need to work on, just me personally, before I try and um, mimic someone else's game. But um, watching my, my watching myself, I definitely – I, but I like some some one dude told me that I play like um um Tracy McGrady like I'm kind of taller I can bring the ball up the court stuff like that so I like that comparison but then you know a lot of people in the Carolina area say I play like Brandon Ingram and I like that comparison too. Well, I think I think when Cam called you Slim Reaper, I think he he sees more Kevin Durant in you, and that's where that nickname came from. I mean, I got put in. That dude is crazy. Yeah. Isaiah, um, your favorite collegiate school is Duke, correct? Nah, man, I don't got no favorite team right <laughs> <laughs> now. When we get in that commitment to become a Blue Devil, Isaiah? Man, y'all got to take baby steps. I ain't even got to offer yet. Like, <laughs> I got to offer first. But, um, hey, well, yeah. let me ask you this. If Duke does offer, how quick will you commit? <laughs> I mean, Duke offering, obviously, another blue blood offering me would be great for my recruitment, but I'm going to still take my decision at the same pace as if they didn't offer. I like it. I like it. My last my last question for you, Jason Tatum or Brandon Ingram? Who's better or, like? 
Who are you taking? Who you you gotta pick one? Who you taking? Brandon Ingram, Jason Tatum. Oh, if it's like a one v one, they going at each other. I gotta take take Jason Tatum. He he too strong. I like it. I like it. Well, Isaiah, man, I appreciate you for being on being on the show today. Great job this season. Um, it's been it's been very fun watching you, and and good luck the rest of the way. Thank you. And if you would like to be one of Coach Rick's picks, feel free to reach out to him on social media at Coach underscore Rick 57. I'm Randall Clark. He's the guru. We'll see you next week. Thank you. Okay. And here we are with Randall Clark and Gary Richmond. So we know what that means. Take it away, Langston. All right, I'm going to go ahead and make a decision here. Gary already – I'm sorry, uh, Randall already won something tonight, so uh, Gary, Gary's going to go close, go first. Yeah, Yes, I, I I said it. Randall won the game show. All right, so we got – let's go. We got it out of our system. But, uh, Gary, but Gary's going to go first since Randall already won something. All right. So, uh, Coach Richmond, two national polls and two championships – we have the uh, state uh, schools that are in state associations and schools that are in that are not in state associations, but all in one national poll right now. Should we go to two polls to differentiate between schools in a state association and schools in not in a state association? Yes, I think you should simply because um, most state associations have like rules, uh, regardless of the state. And the non-associations, there's a a vast difference from non-association to non-association, mainly dealing with, uh, you know, reclassification and those type of rules and and recruiting. Um, So I think there should be two polls. Um, I think you could call one one that plays by the rules and one that got a whole bunch of handlers, you know. I just think it's it's just too much difference between the 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 implementation of things outside of basketball um, between non-association schools and public schools. All right, Randall, we can tell you're waiting. Go for it. No, why? Basketball is basketball. It's it's making all these rules according to. Ages and grade, it doesn't matter. High school basketball is high school basketball, non-association or association. It doesn't matter because if you put two pools, two polls together, nobody's really going to care about either one of them. They just want to know who are the top five teams, who are the top 20 teams, who are the top 25 teams in the country. After that, no one really cares. So, no, just leave it how it is, and, and we'll go from there. I guess the lingering question there before we move on is uh, Coach Richmond said we got uh, one set of rules over here with the state association schools and another set of rules for everyone else. Oh, I didn't realize that the uh, non-state association schools actually had any rules. Oh, I'm sorry. Did I say that? Um, All right. Next question. Okay, the North Carolina Independent Schools Athletic Association has put boys and girls state finals at different sites. We all know that the North Carolina High School Athletic Association 
plays boys and girls finals in a classification at the same site. Should the NCHSAA follow what the NCISAA has done and put boys and girls finals at different sites? Randall, uh, you go first. No, everybody should play at the same site because the fact of the matter is that most people outside of friends and family are going to see um, want to see the boys. I don't think it's fair for the girls. I think they deserve to have fans. I think they deserve to have a student section. They deserve to have the same treatment as the boys. If you separate them and give them different sites, there's a chance that that might not happen, and that's not fair to them. Gary? I think they should be separate. Um, you know, they're, they're fans of, of girls' basketball separate from, from boys' basketball. You know, if, if for me, uh, a lot of times I leave after the girls' game. Uh, I don't want to see the boys because they all play the same style. You know, they all think they can shoot threes and and the shot selection is not as good as you find in girls' games. But um, I think if you have one, two, three, and four A in one site and the same um, for the boys, I think you will get a, a larger fan base. Um, people are going to leave after their school plays anyway, uh, especially if their school lost. So, um, you know, I think by having them at different sites, you can you can have, you know, fans of 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 all the boys at one place and fans of girls all at, at another place. I like the idea of separating it uh, just for the state championships, um, you know, not not for uh, regular season. I, I don't like separating it, but for for the state championships. Because you're looking at the best of the best at every level. And I think people want to see the best. And before we move on, I'll add that here we are in February during Black History Month. And for many years had to fight against the fallacy of the separate but equal doctrine. And separate is inherently unequal. Next question. For years, basketball was the number one high school sport in Charlotte. Has football caught up? Will it catch up? Where do we stand right now? Gary, start us off. Uh, football has passed basketball in the state of North Carolina. With everyone except the state association. Okay. We're still dominated by basketball train of thought with the state association. But as far as fan interest, football has passed basketball at every level. You know, professional college and high school. I think foot and even in North Carolina, um, I think football has passed basketball. And a lot of that has to do with the the Carolina Panthers and and the fact that uh, a lot of those players have stayed in the area and they filter down as trainers at little at at um, you know beginning at the little leagues and working their way up. And if you look and see how many kids get football scholarships out of out of the uh, mainly in Charlotte, but other places as well, you'll see that football has really caught up to basketball. I think you get more Division One um, football players out of Charlotte than you do basketball. Randall. Gary, Gary, stop it! Stop it! What is the state of North Carolina is called the Hoop State for a reason? There's it's because hey, of three teams. And you, start, and you started talking about the, you started talking about the Panthers. The Panthers aren't no. 
The Panthers aren't any good right now, so I'm not listening to that. You used to, Carolina and Duke are always going to be Carolina and Duke. That's going to trump anything at the college level. And you talk about going to college in the class of 24, the state, the top 10 players in the state are all going to go play high division one college basketball somewhere. So no, the, the, the state of North Carolina is the hoop state It's always going to be the hoop state. And it's going to take a lot more uh, for foot work for football in order to change that. I want everyone to mark down this moment right here. And what I'm about to say, praise be Randall Clark. This is the hoop state and basketball is the number one sport in this state as evidenced by the fact that the class of 2024 on the boys and girls side has the opportunity to be the best that the state has ever seen. Basketball will be the number one sport because it creates opportunities to achieve at the highest level in high school and college for the boys and girls of North Carolina. Praise be basketball is our sport. Look at the numbers. That's because you got 53 players in football, obviously. I mean, that's that's not an argument. Look at at the rate of growth as far as, you know, where football was to where it is going. A 53-man roster compared to a 12-man roster. Gary, we can do the math. I I know that. I'm not saying that. I'm talking about the number, the percentage of participation, how it's increased versus decreased. You know, volleyball is taking a lot away from girls' basketball. Yeah, that, bro, bro. That, I, got, I got what you're saying there. That's true. It, it's that taking is. a lot away. Well, girl, girls, girls' basketball is declining at a rapid pace in North Carolina. We wrote a big story about it back in the fall. Uh, the, the numbers are really falling off. I don't, I don't know. Girls don't like the – what they would, the girls I interviewed said they did not like the physicality of the game. They like volleyball because the other person was on the other side of the net. You know, I didn't have to – bump into them. And I don't, I'm not saying that's about every girl, but I did talk to about 50 and that was a pretty prevalent comment. <laughs> Rick, I want to take you back to this question we asked about boys and girls state finals. The association of public schools normally will do two boys and two girls at state, two boys and two girls at Chapel Hill. This year, the private schools are putting the girls at Calvary Day, the boys at Forsyth Country Day. Do you like the, the private school format or do you like the public school format and why? Unlike the private school format, um, and I, I, I think I agree with um, Gary that you, you have a different fan base for the girls than you do the boys. And, you know, for example, for us covering it, you know, you could have someone covering all the boys games, you know, at one site. And then if you had somebody else, they could just stay at the other site to cover the girl side. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. No. Go ahead, Alex. Separate is inherently unequal. The separate but equal doctrine was a fallacy of American history, and we bring that up during Black History Month. Treating young ladies as second-class citizens is absolutely unacceptable. Why? But why? If you're, if you're creating a so-called championship, I, I, I know what Alex is thinking. Why do you treat them like second-class citizens? Well, because the NCAA started that last year. You know, when when they had when they had um, the bubble. You know, that was it. Yeah, but they, they didn't take care of the girls the way they should have. I'm not saying right. that. And I'm that's saying, but, but, Q right. Tucker, but I'm and saying Q Tucker would put them in Chapel Hill and State, and they would get all yeah. the same stuff. They would just be girls in one place and boys in another. We're not saying that the girls are going to get less than the boys do. Well, why in the world are we separating them whatsoever? The fact that we have to resort to separation akin to what we saw throughout much of United States history that, can, that that proliferated the subjugation of 
marginalized communities for decades on end is something that will be repeated in this well, case. Why do we have to separate I think what the is private schools have to be a shared championship experience. The private school that in and of itself proliferates separate as inherently unequal. The private schools have to separate because they have eight state championship games. They can't play eight state championship games in one place. So they could they could do four and four, but you know, which they've done they used to three and three, maybe they could do that or maybe play some on Friday night. But I think they had to split them up somehow. I'm not saying this is the right well, they way. They do the boys I and hear, the girls at the same place. I hear the argument. Whatever classification. I hear the argument that Randall makes a lot from girls coaches that we deserve to play in front of fans. But then I also hear people say, but those fans aren't coming to see you. And if you look at a lot of girls games that are packed, a lot of times they're not paying attention to the game because they're waiting on North Macon Chamber. Nobody. That's fine. Nobody cares about that. People in the stands, people in the stands. Like I think we also they, see they, a they, higher deserve, degree. they deserve to have people in the stands the same way the boys do. I think we also see but a even higher degree. There have been games, Audrey Kell versus Myers Park a couple years ago, where the gym is completely packed for the girls' game, and as soon as the girls' game is over, everybody left, and the boys' game had less than 100 people in it. Thanks, yeah. I, I've seen that. I've seen that. I don't I don't know if there's a right or wrong answer. I was just curious what you guys thought. I don't really have you, a you could you could if, even if you had them at different locations, you could flip-flop the time. So for example, if you had the boys at one location, you could start the one A, the two A, three A, four A, and then at the other site with the girls, you could sort of flip it around. So if the fans who could go watching the boys team, they could go over there and watch the girls if it's from the same school. Yeah. But Gary, if, Gary, you coach girls for a long time. Is the issue that girls just aren't going to draw the crowd? Is that why the coaches have always wanted to play the boys the same place? Or is it something else? Unless it's an outstanding girls program, and we, we talked about that earlier. Mm -hmm. This year, in, in, just in CMS, it's the top two in every conference, mm -hmm. and then the bottom falls out. Right. You know, it's not, it's not a situation where there's balance throughout like you find in boys. So, you know, when you have great girls programs, they attract just like boys program. The problem is girls basketball doesn't have the depth mm. that boys basketball does. So you think it'd be fine in the state championship situation? Yeah, in the state championship situation, it would be fine. But so Alex is separate but equal not be an issue for you? Yeah, but if you're talking about, say, and, and I used this earlier, CMS, if you said on a, on a Tuesday and a Friday, you know, the, the girls play at one site and the boys play at another, I think you're going to run into a problem with attendance for girls. Mm -hmm. Because most of the time, the student the student body is going to choose to go see the boys game. I remember, right, the, the last game before COVID took everything away. You remember this, Rick, where we were? The last game before COVID hit, we were in Hickory. And we mm -hmm. watched uh, North Mac was playing, I can't remember, in the, oh, the Olympic. Yeah. They were playing Olympic. Yeah, they were playing Olympic, yeah. The regional championship game, and it was packed to the gills. Right. And then there was a girls' game coming right behind it, and I, I want to say it was Freedom, maybe, and somebody. Yeah, it was some. It was Freedom and somebody. And it got packed her. <laughs> yeah. well, well, that, that kind of. Doesn't, I was like, where are these people? That was that was a uniform team. That kind of doesn't count. I was sitting beside Richard. I was sweating. He was sweating. I mean, it was packed in there. I mean, I'm just you know. And then I went over to Mallet Creek. Was playing at the community college, and there was the girls, and there was nobody there. But it wasn't. It wasn't a uniform team. 
There were maybe 20 people in the stands over there, but the association kind of anticipated that. They didn't play that game at Lenore Ryan. They moved it. I don't know what the right answer is. I kind of like boys and girls at the two sites so long as they get the same treatment. I, I kind of agree with Gary that the state championship games are going to draw. I've seen girls programs, the great McDowell programs. Mike Silver used to outdraw the boys every single night when Bob was rolling at Myers Park when they were really good to Randall's point, you know, Bob would get done playing and everybody would, would kind of cut out. They wanted to see, you know, Mazik play and, uh, and, and then they leave. So I, I've seen that Providence days. Girls were really good. Uh, I remember back, you know, 20 years ago, or 15 years ago, it was kind of the same thing. So I, I think I'd be okay. Cam, you hadn't said anything. What, what's your, what are your thoughts here before we go to Randall's final thoughts? I think as long as the treatment is the same, like we mentioned the whole NCAA debacle where, I mean, the girls got like a towel and a water bottle and the guys got everything (laughs) under the sun. That's that's absurd. But as long as the treatment's equal, I don't think where it's at necessarily matters. Um, I think having it at two sites kind of increases travel. And I mean, one thing we hadn't talked about is, I mean, what if parents have a girl playing and a boy playing. What if they have like, you know, siblings? Well, they that would stagger that. Yeah, they're not. Yeah, the times aren't overlapping, but yeah, okay. I, I get your point. But the association has always put two games, it, well, not always, but recent years, two games on one side, two two boys' championships on one side, two girls on another side, or four, actually. And, uh, and the, the private schools have to kind of do the same thing because now they have eight state championships just like the public schools do. No, the so North Carolina what, High School Athletic Association is sensitive to the reality that separate is inherently unequal. It's permeated American history for decades. And why okay, do how do you feel about women, women's college, like the Chapel Hill Miami women didn't play the night before the Chapel Hill Miami men? That's a college is, college is different. It's not even remotely the yeah, same. That's a, that's that's a, complete, that's a, a whole other conversation. That's not even. I, I, mean, I, don't, I don't get it. I, I think it's a different dynamic. Randall South, is correct. The Randall South Carolina Randall. women's program outdraws the South Carolina men's program. <laughs> you turn did, you take, did you see the game against LSU with eight? Oh, oh did, did I see it? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Randall, Randall knows. I called yeah, that way before the I, game. I'm not saying it's not one fan. Here's the thing. Each team that goes to the state championship, either male or female, is going to have its own support from yes. the fans and community from that particular city. You talk about being separate – What's the difference in having a 1A and a 2A boys and girls at one site versus having 3A and 4A boys at another site? Aren't you making that the 1A and 2A teams feel inferior to the 3A and the 4A teams? Absolutely not. Oh, well, no, it's different. How's it's it different? the same thing. How's it different? No, 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 it's not. No, it's not. Because what you have done is you have created, first off, let's take what the NCHSAA does. We're talking about two elite-level venues, two ACC, high-quality, well-maintained, well-presented venues, which are comparable in terms of what they offer. You put the boys and the girls of the same classification in the same venue to compete for their respective championships, then you have leveled that playing field. What's it's not like we're, ta- it's not like we're making somebody go to Chapel Hill and all the birds are playing in what, What's the difference, though, guys, if I put the 1A, 2A, 3A, 4A girls in Raleigh and the 1A, 2A, 3A, 4A boys in Chapel Hill, they both get the same great facilities and they'll both get the same treatment. What's the difference? No, 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 they, and, no they don't. And, and the no, facilities they don't. are not equal because no, no, they don't. you're playing How in the women's not? gym when you go to state. Yes. When you go to Carolina, you're playing in the men's gym. 
So you're not playing in equal facilities. It's and, it and is that's an that you, I like I like I like the state state better in Carolina. Carolina. It's two different atmospheres. Yeah, Carolina's you too big. Uh, yeah, yeah, I was gonna say playing in playing in Reynolds, playing in Reynolds is good. Like, I don't know why they don't play. Now I never understood why we don't play one in Reynolds. And one a Carmichael, but that's a whole nother argument. I, I can tell you why, because I, I had I had that very conversation with Q, and and we're on the same page, and she she agrees with what we're saying in terms of the atmosphere. I think we all know that the parking differential at Carmichael relative to Reynolds is yeah. night and day, yeah. and that would be a huge issue. But in terms of atmosphere, she agrees with what we're saying. I would rather play a high school championship game at Reynolds than at the Smith Center because me, no, me it's going to be a better atmosphere. Me it's not too. as big. Yeah. Me too. I, I absolutely agree with that. One thing I well, do know this year. Oh, so are you guys saying we should just move one of them to Cameron? Absolutely. Uh, no, no, no they ab absolutely not. They, 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 they did have a championship in Cameron like way back. The, the uh -huh. as well, way back in the 90s. Uh, yes, 1996, the NCISA championships were at Cameron Indoor Stadium. The Ravenscroft girls won. And the province and the uh, I Green was there. Bay. I have no idea who played. The Greensboro Day boys beat David Carrier's Providence State team. Yeah, I was there. I have no idea who played. <laughs> yes, the, the, the Ravenscroft girls won the championship. That girls team was coached by Ned Gannett, who just retired as Ravenscroft's football yeah. coach after 42 years this past year. All right, so we're talking about state championship games. Carrie's talking about the regional championship games. He wants the Hickory site eliminated. They didn't use the Hickory site last year, but what happened in the regionals was North Mac and Weddington had to go to McDowell to play a regional yeah. championship game when Charlotte teams had tried to host it. I do not know who's hosting the regionals this year. A lot of people are looking forward to a potential Mars Park North Mac matchup. You could play that at Independence Arena and it would draw probably 10,000 people. No so question. Oh, somebody's forward thinking enough to, to you know. Yeah, please, 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 if those two teams play, do not have us have to travel 90 minutes, an hour, uh, you know, two hours to go see, to go see two Charlotte teams play. Please, or, please. Or Cameron can put in a good word. right, though. Kerry, you right. Cameron can put in a good word at UNC Charlotte. Maybe we can have it over there. I mean, it would draw 9,000 over there. I mean, that, that game would, would really, really be something special. They played. You know, I, I think it's, it's a – it's a, you know, it's the opportunity to go back to UNCC. Uh, you know, we did it there one oh, year. It was great. It was great. And, 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 and one of the schools messed up the locker room, and they said, "Don't come back." Yep, I remember. And we haven't been back since. Maybe with the new administration, uh, you know, and did go back to the well as UNCC. But Gary, that that is so short sighted on that particular school because if if you're a university like the University of Charlotte and you're hosting a tournament, that is one of the best things you can do for recruiting, getting quality teams and players to your campus, playing in their yep. arena. For them Absolutely. to do that and say, hey, just because someone messed up the locker room, they got enough money to fix it up, but they made a terrible mistake. They should have it back at that. USC no Charlotte has an entirely different administration now than then. So well, maybe that, that's what happened. That's why. Yeah, I no, that, that is absolutely what happened. But I think now, you know, maybe Erica Turner and her group can go over there and talk to them. USC Charlotte or Independence Arena, even Davidson. But the, one of those three sites, I think, would be great. Queens could be a great site. 
Uh, there's just a lot of places in Charlotte you can play the ball. I think Char- could, Charlotte would be great because it can hold a crowd and they have the parking. Well, Independence Arena has the parking. Easy. Well, Charlotte does too. Independence Arena has that big parking lot right out in front. It's really easy to get in and out. And I really think that game would draw 10,000 people. North Let me get Mike Hill a buzz. What you say, Cameron? So let me get Mike Hill a buzz. Get Mike Hill a buzz. Get him on the line. All right. We, I, I'm getting heavy and I'm making myself heavy because one hour and 45 minutes, I'm supposed to be done. Randall, we're going to put you in the one shot. If I can make my, my, my cursor went away. I got my iPad beside me. My cursor's going over to my iPad. Uh, let's see. I got to find Randall's final thoughts. Go ahead, sir. This is my favorite time of year. Conference playoffs, state playoffs. This is when you really separate yourself. It's winner go home time. All I can say is that the game of basketball, young men and young ladies, is not a light switch. You can't turn your game on and off. You got to keep that light switch on for the rest of the season on both ends of the floor. I want to take this time to say good luck to everybody competed tonight and competing the rest of the season. Hopefully everyone has a great playoff run and, and we can stay as healthy as possible. All right. There it is. Randall Clark. Well, guys, it's been a great show. Um, that is Randall, the best trainer I know. That is Alex Bass, Mr. Contrarian. You heard him in full effect tonight. <laughs> there is Richard Lewis, the number one voice of high school basketball. Man, we are so lucky here in this show. We get Chris and Grice in football. We get Rick in basketball. And y'all, I mean, y'all just don't know. Mm-hmm. Cameron, we call him the get, the guru in training, even though he's watching probably. Is Duke playing right now? Is that what you're looking at? No, nah, Duke plays your boy tomorrow. Huh? We got to trade tomorrow. Your boy tomorrow. Who, who, who are you watching so intently right now? Carolina I mean, and Hubert Davis already. You, you watching Carolina on replay? That's what you're looking no, at. No, I, I watched that game live. I, had that oh, game I know you there. did. <laughs> <laughs> UNC lives rent-free in Cameron's head. He's the biggest dude fan in the world, but UNC lives rent-free in his head. And there's uh, – I'm Langston. That's Gary, and we are Talking Preps.